Say now, say now. You're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here at the Momentum Studio, Zeb behind the controls. Guess who's back? <laughs> back, back again. <laughs> yes, Spencer sir. Shea is in the building, yeah, ladies here, and gentlemen, man. and everything in between. Yeah, dude, I'm happy to be back. Happy it's to have ha- you. And I'm, and I'm back. I'm back, back. Like, back, back. I got the day, and I'm straight. I'm, I'll be talking all the mess that I've been talking for years, <laughs> and it'll be for years to come. You've so. been having me give 50-minute monologues around here, man. I've been having to take it to the head and just talk it out. I haven't had anybody to bounce things well, off of, but well, it's been cool. Yeah. Well, I, like I say, I, I I always had your back like chiropractic, bro. I was That's just right. in the wings getting my stuff together. I, I It's a good time for me to be back, too, man. It's a good time for me to be back. The summertime was on the horizon, man. The sun shining, Memorial Day weekend. It's, it's a lot going on, obviously. That'll jump right into fall, college sports. We'll be right back onto the broadcasting front. So it is a good time indeed. Yeah. It no, is I a good time. I feel great, man. I feel great. It was a good little sabbatical I took. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm actually working on taking a legit sabbatical here in the very near future. So I'll be telling y'all all about that when the time comes. It's not official yet, but definitely in the process of, of kind of working on that. And and I'm kind of excited That's about good, it. That's good, man. You got to rest. Yeah. I And I thought about it, man. It was like. I have not taken a break basically ever. Um, and what I mean by that is, and I'll get into wind shares here shortly, but since you brought up the word sabbatical, I graduated college and I less than two weeks after graduating college, I had a radio show. And so it was one of those things where I didn't have the luxury or the privilege to be able to have like the gap year, if you will. I just jumped straight into work and I, that's, why I've never tried to pursue any more degrees either is like I was fortunate enough to get the bachelor's degree and that was a that allowed me to be able to get a job and again I jumped right into radio and then soon as radio was over I always blame my guy Justin Meyer shout out to Justin I was just on his show and you can catch me on his show on Tuesday mornings um you know especially while the playoffs are still going the NBA playoffs at 8:20 a.m. um 6:20 a.m. is the actual radio station but 8:20 a.m. is the time that I go on this on That's the show not confusing <laughs> <laughs> so let me not confuse you there. 6.20 a.m. is the station that he's on. He's got his morning show there. Um, but 8.20 a.m. is the time that I go on there. But I'll never forget, man, when I got the radio show, you know, me and Justin, we took off fast. It was a hit. Um, but it wasn't a big enough hit because we were laid off at about the six-month mark. Um, for reasons that is outside of my own, y'all have heard me talk about that story time and again. I'm not getting ready to get into it right now. But what I will say is, When we got laid off, Justin had been in the radio industry for about 15 years. I was new to the game. And Justin said something to me that has always stuck with me. He says, you know, man, you've got a bright future. You are very talented. You're young. And you've already been able to do more than a lot of people your age and even older than you have been able to do within this space. You've got your tape, you've got your audio, you've got everything that you need. And he was kind of trying to help me like package it all up to try and pursue other gigs because he felt that I had a future in this space. But what he said was, you know, after about six months of being unemployed in this industry, majority of the time, you never get back into it and you just go a completely different direction. It's harder to be able to land jobs because your name isn't, 
as hot. It isn't as relevant, if you will. And it's just really hard to get a job after six months mm. of being laid off. And so Jeez. that stuck with me. And although I never went back into having a radio show in particular, it was early December when I got laid off. So I jumped straight into like in-game sports broadcasting at Pacific University. That obviously led to me going to Portland State. I'm still the voice of Pacific University to this day. And so that was the way that I was able to kind of keep my flame lit coming off of having a radio show in a top 25 market, getting laid off, but still wanting to be in the space so that I didn't have that six-month period where I just wasn't doing anything in sports media outside of what I did independently with this podcast. And obviously, I, I consider this podcast a help with that as well sure. to sort of bridge that gap because a lot of people – especially from his era, like Justin still ain't got no podcast, which is crazy to me. And I'll tell him to his face, it's crazy to me because not only is he just uber talented, but it's like he's a real thoroughbred radio guy. So it's like almost like radio or bus for him. And I'm like, Justin, you should get a podcast, you gotta, you yo. <laughs> you know hey, what I'm saying? The bus is coming, bro. You know what I mean? It's almost like that for him. But anywho, um, when he told me that, I, I again, I jumped straight into calling games at Pacific. I was doing this podcast, um, and then I got into the writing aspect of things because I hadn't done much writing yet. I was able to jump into the broadcast game at such a swift pace coming off of being in college and graduating. I ended up landing the job, job with Street Roots. I started off as a freelance reporter there, and then obviously I've, I've gotten a full-time gig there as a vendor program director, and I still do a lot of correspondent work with Street Roots, which, again, we'll talk about the Brittany Griner stuff here shortly. I got to cover her first game back. That story will be coming out within Street Roots as well. So it was just one of those things, man, ultimately getting back to the sabbatical. I have never taken time off of work. Mm. And so... I do think that I'm finally at that point at 30 years old. And you got to remember, this is coming off the grind of being a student athlete at the NCAA level as well, which is its own type of grind. Jumping straight out of graduating college into working, and I've been pedaled to the metal ever since. Never looked back, haven't been without a job. I'm grateful for that, but at the same time, I'm finally at the point at 30 years old where I'm like, all right, I need to settle down a little bit, take a break, and just do some of the things that I want to do and just, you know, clear my mind, hit the reset button to get right back into it. Of course, I'll still be doing this podcast and DJing and things like that. But as far as like my full-time gig, yeah, it's time for a sabbatical, man. <laughs> Yo, you got to rest. Like, I, I'm going to turn 31 in three days as we're recording this podcast. Yes, sir. Happy birthday. Uh, Happy you. birthday. It. And, That's and, right. You know, and it looks like, and no one really told me. I mean, they. I, I don't know why I'm saying that. Everybody told me, you got to rest your body. Yeah. Especially when you get into your 30s. And, I, and I, they're right. And so I'm glad that I was like, I got it in, excuse me, right under the wire where I'm like, okay, now I'm taking care of, better care of myself. And because you have to have that, or you just can't, man. When, man, when we were when we were coming up, man, we would just out jump out of bed like rocket ships and, and get just to it, get to it, and it and would just be it. all morning to wait wee hours of the night and just do it over again, never looking back. And now I'm like, dude, I really need to chill because yeah. like I got to yeah. take that rest every now and again, especially because I'm gonna go twice as hard in my 30s. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> so for sure. I'm gonna need the rest. And, and and with the grind, as you mentioned, just sort of going twice as hard in your 30s. With the grind, I've been able to do and accumulate so much in my 20s 
that gigs just come left and right now, whether it be DJing, whether it be media gigs, you know, whether it be me doing appearances, whether it be me hosting banquets, me emceeing tournaments, me, whatever the case may be. Like I am essentially booked out for the remainder of 2023 right now. Like I don't have to worry about, Oh, what I got to do to find my next gig and trying to like hustle and, and start reaching out to folks to find upcoming gigs because I obviously got to get paid and I want to continue to do this work. I can sit here and say comfortably right now, I'm booked for the rest of 2023, which is a blessing to be able to say, but at the same time, I'm already getting inquiries for 2024. So if that pattern continues, when do I sit down and get my rest and be able to just relax and say, okay, let me chill out for a little bit because I'm now being booked out nearly a year in advance for stuff. And so yeah, you'll while, get sick if you don't. Yeah. While it's right, super dope to be able to do so that. And while the grind and that hustle is in me, I definitely am at yeah. a point where I could feel a little burnout good, and, and I can I'm admit that, that I feel bro. a little burnout. I'm glad to hear that, so a sabbatical bro. is likely to come That's this good. summer. It's good. Um, Carry yourselves out. Yeah. There. Yeah. Got to do it. Got to do it. And then maybe anybody else that is a grinder and a hustler like I am that listens to this podcast, you might need to consider doing the same for your yourself as well wind shares though because y'all know we come with wind shares every week because we, we don't stop working um this weekend it's memorial weekend i have a full slate of dj gigs for you all uh friday night to kick things off i'll be back doing my residency at lulu bar um, that'll be friday the 26th today essentially because we released the episodes on fridays um i'll be there at 10 p.m till late 1 a.m maybe 1 30 around there um you know neo soul r&b getting things popping per usual saturday the 27th i will be at export rooftop bar and lounge downtown portland the porter hotel walk in the hotel catch the elevator up to the 16th floor and vibe out on what i still think is the city's best rooftop here in the market um and then sunday i begin a residency at Bible Club out in Selwood. It's an outdoor backyard patio. Oh, export starts at 9 p.m., by the way. It's 9 p.m. to midnight there. But Bible Club out in Selwood, um, it'll be a 3 p.m. gig. Sunday, obviously. Sunday, fun day. Everybody's off on Monday. Ugh, that was a bar. But um, <laughs> we'll be at Bible Club. The, the residency that begins on Sunday is called Pounce's Playground. Pounce's Playground. Pounce's Playground. I like that. We, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a super dope outdoor backyard patio as is, so that's sort of where the playground vibe comes from. But we'll have games out there, Connect Four, whatever you name it. We got a Brid, bunch of games. Bridge. Bridge. Yeah, yeah. Jenka, whatever. All <laughs> those mean, games. Pick up sticks. Pick up <laughs> sticks. Whatever you want. Bring, bring your, your jacks. Bring your Uno cards, bring your, your jacks, marbles. your board games if you got them. you got them. But bring. that's the vibe that I want to create with this Pounce's Playground, uh, you know, residency that I'm doing. Obviously, I'll be playing the music the entire time. Spencer will also be joining be me. He'll bro. be on the microphone emceeing because that's his actual birthday. birthday. And so we'll be celebrating Spencer's birthday as well so it'll be cool if any of you can come out and support that but just a different vibe bringing to the city we all like games board games again we got the I mean we're talking dancing dancing vibing kicking great food great I mean Bible Club has its own food as an establishment obviously but shout out to my guy Ryan 
who's the owner of Bible Club and the well-known PDX Sliders, which is right next door to Bible Club. You can get food from Sliders. You can get food off the Bible Club menu. Um, and we it's just really, It's really a, the best place. It's like the best bar for the summertime. For sure. For sure. For sure. I, for sure. And, and again, I just because, vibe because, you know out and DJ. Because it really feels like, if you know, that area, everything is so close. I mean, Bible Club is literally a house. Yeah. So it's like you yeah. just feel like you're just in the neighborhood. For sure. Walking door to door, seeing where everybody's at, seeing if the bikes are out front. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like, so it's very cool. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot oftentimes it's just people walking around in Sailwood that'll hear the music banging out of this backyard. And again, like as you mentioned, Bible Club is a house. So indoor is like a speakeasy bar and what would be, I guess, the living room, family room area. And then I'm DJing in the backyard. It's a renovated backyard patio, a lot of covering, tents, things of the like. Um, turfed out. And obviously, they built a bar back there, back there as well. Turfed and, out. And yeah, it's turf. It's turf, <laughs> turf on the ground. Like it's it's a super dope backyard patio. Yeah, it's the turf. And so yeah, I, I decided to call it Pounce's Playground because obviously DJ Pounce will be DJing, but uh, we'll have games and we'll just be um, having a lot of interactive fun out there, dancing. Um, you know, competitions of some sorts. We might do some kind of a raffle, or some. I might, or I might even hit up Ryan and say, "Yo, Ryan, I need a, I need an order of every slider on the menu from next door at PDX Sliders, and we'll figure out a way to raffle them off to the folks that are back there hungry, wanting to kick it. We're just gonna have fun. We'll treat it like an adult playground. It's gonna be <laughs> tough. It's gonna be. It's gonna be tough. And so, definitely pull up. This will be the first one. I'll be there the following Sunday as well, <clears throat> and uh, obviously, I'll continue to announce the dates and the wind shares as we move forward. You got anything else? I mean, you just mentioned it, man. Uh, yeah. I'm another year older, another year wiser. That's right. That's right. So I wasn't supposed to be here anyway. Now that I'm here, ooh. Yeah, it's time to get to it. Different. Let's do it. Um, let's get into the content then, man. Brittany Griner's return. Yes, we could start with LeBron alluding to retirement, which before I even do that, we're going to talk about him getting swept. Um, we'll do things in proper order here today, but I want to talk about Brittany Griner's return. Obviously here on this podcast, we advocated, um, for her release throughout the time that she was detained in Russia for nearly 10 months. We did a lot of work on behalf of, you know, trying to get her released alongside, um, our Senator, our senior Senator here, Senator Ron Wyden, who sponsored, a Senate resolution, a bipartisan Senate resolution um, that was calling for her immediate release from Russia. It ultimately happened. And last Friday, she returned and played her first game back in the WNBA since being released against the Los Angeles Sparks. I had the great fortune of being able to attend that game, feet on the wood where it was all good. Um, it was definitely a star-studded I mean event. It was all good if you weren't a player for the Phoenix Mercury getting molly Nah, nah, I, I disagree with <laughs> no, that because because straight. obviously, you know, from a competition standpoint, yes. But competition was like secondary. Mm. And like the energy was not about winning and losing. Obviously, when the Sparks turned up in front of their home crowd, because they indeed did that, um, you know, the crowd was into it. Everybody was there to enjoy basketball as well. But there's no denying that the primary reason that everybody showed up to that arena that night was to be able to see Brittany Griner return 
Um, it didn't matter what side of the fence you were on, who it was that you were rooting for. When she was announced in the starting lineup, in the starting lineup, she got a huge ovation. Oh. Um, and, and every time she touched the ball, scored the basketball, um, the crowd went up for. Her and and that was definitely what took precedent over wins and losses in that particular game. Um, but yeah. The Sparks did show up and show out in front of their home crowd and not only their season opener, but their home opener. But Brittany Griner was the, the, the story of that night. It was a star-studded event. Obviously, Magic Johnson was there. He's an owner with the Sparks. Billie Jean King, the legendary Billie Jean King, was there. Our vice president, Kamala Harris, was in the building. Uh, I mean, you know, it was Don Staley. Coach Don Staley was in the building. Paul Gasol and his wife was in the building. Big Shot Bob, Robert Ory was in the building. Byron Scott, Lakers head coach Darvin Ham. Like, and again, I, I had the fortune to sit low enough to rub elbows with all of these people. Um, and it was just a, a heck of a night. It was a super cool night to be a part of. Um, I do have a story to come in Street Roots newspaper next weekend about it where I'll dig a little bit more into it. I got to speak to Senator Wyden, again, who sponsored that bill. I got to speak to Oregon's own Evina Westbrook, um, who's a teammate of Brittany Griner. She plays for the Phoenix Mercury. So I was able to kind of get her thoughts on just, you know, being able to be a part of that special moment as BG's teammate. So the story that I'll be writing, you know, obviously you've heard all the stories because uh, it was such a big deal. You heard about her standing for the anthem. You've heard about, you know, the stars that were in the building. We all know how big of a deal it was that she returned. Um, but the story that I'm writing is going to be able to give more of an Oregon twist to it again with, with Wyden and what he's been able to do, um, pushing for the WNBA expansion here, but also, um, you know, sponsoring that bill and, and really utilizing his voice and his platform in support of Grinder's release. And then again, Westbrook, she's a, she's a superstar. She's a phenom from out of this market, you know, played at UConn and college. College, you know, is obviously in the WNBA now. I think this is her second year in the W, played for the Mystics last year, and now she's on the Mercury with BG. So it'll be cool, a cool story for you all to be able to check out in Street Roots next week. But I was just honored to be able to be in the building that night. Um, the energy was contagious, and I'm just glad to see BG back. Yeah, I mean, I definitely got that from the broadcast in the sense that, like, and look, and we and we have a we have a particular connection to this story, you know, in our, in our way too. But I think everybody, you're right, collectively feels a sense of like finality about you know this tribulation that she's been on, where she was detained and not playing, and then just the uncertainty of everything. You know, what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. I mean, and and I would obviously, you know, Mark Jones said it a lot on the broadcast, and obviously everyone else did too. But like, we can't imagine what that's like to 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 go through that, and just the sheer fact that she was able to get onto the basketball floor in a uniform and compete in competitive team basketball at the highest level is enough, but she's also looking like she just got out of training camp too, because yeah. she's knocking down elbow jumpers. And so, so, so all of that is, is fine. Right. And all of that is fine. But my, my thing that I've been thinking about is like, you know, the story of Brittany Griner and, and what, and, and the way that the collective consciousness has sort of like attached itself to, and we've all kind of told it to each other and, and built it up throughout this time that she's been, you know, unable to even participate in it outside of just her uh, her place of victimhood, right? Yeah. But it's like that's like she the, her her this is her, the story doesn't stop for her. 
No. You know what I mean? No. Like, like so the she plans to release a book. And I and I and I'm glad to know that because I know that if like if from my perspective, I'd be like, dude, I, I don't even know if I want to talk about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I but I but the one sort of gripe that I had, I guess, in terms of just watching like the way that it was like ex, you know, talked about and covered is that I feel like a lot, you know, because of the sentimental value of the story, you know, it's I'm not knocking anybody. But, yeah. You know, you got you you feel like a sense of ownership over the narrative, and a lot of media outlets kind of moved toward that tone. Mm. I don't know if they necessarily outright were like anything that you could say, okay, that, but it's like I, I you know, I'm glad to hear that she's able to take control of the narrative because I mean, ultimately, it's like we we all have this sense of finality from that seeing her get on the court again, and we can write the pieces. But it's like she's gonna have to wake up and be Brittany Griner again tomorrow. Yeah, and none of us are gonna be there with her while she does that. So. That's why I was just, I'm happy to hear that she's writing that book, but I would just hope to see a little bit more, um, you know, her, you know, taking control of the narrative because it, that, that stuff can run away from you. Interesting. Cause I, I do agree. Like I said, obviously with her writing the book and, and the feel that I got from obviously attending that game, which was the first game back. And then the, the couple days later, she got to play in her first home opener in front of Phoenix fans. But the feel that I got is that this welcome back tour for her is going to be similar to what like a fair a farewell tour is for a lot of superstars in said leagues, whether it be the NBA, WNBA, in like a reverse you sense. name it, in a reverse sense. Sure, you know what sure. I mean? Where every stadium that she goes to, she's going to be received with open arms. The same sort She'll of She'll receive that applause, yeah, too. that ovation, because – Everybody is grateful, and obviously it's less teams in the WNBA, but of the 12 teams that exist, I feel like every market that she plays in, she's going to receive – she's going to be embraced in a, in a similar way that she was in her return weekend. And so with that, the stories and the narratives will continue surrounding Brittany Griner, her story, her experiences, um, and a lot of it hmm. only we can speculate on, but then some of it is – are we going to have her – are we going – is the media cognizant enough to where instead of trying to get to the story first, are we going to be asking her the same questions over and over and over from market to market, whether it be about her standing for the anthem, which I think is a significant topic, especially because she's taken a stance prior to her going through all that she went through where she wouldn't stand for the anthem prior to her return. Um you know, just again, how she's being embraced as she's back here in the NBA and just things of that of that nature, um, which is why, again, for me, I wasn't in a rush to release a story for the sake of releasing a story. Right. Which is why I said there's a bunch of stories out there, <laughs> you know, but you kind of get a sense that all of those stories have the same angle, if you will. And at what point does that get played well, out? Well, so that, that's why that, with me, I wanted to well, have the organ spin on it where, yeah, I'll obviously have Brittany Griner as the centerpiece of the story that I'm currently writing and working on that'll be published next week. But how do I get somebody like a Senator Wyden involved to share his thoughts or, again, right. an Avina Westbrook to share her thoughts, you know, having been a part of this whole thing and just to make it more organ-centric because it does feel like you're just getting a lot of the same stories over and over, and I don't see that ending anytime soon because it feels like, again, 
this welcome back tour will be the reverse of what a farewell tour is. And she'll have to answer a lot of these same questions right. over and over from market to market as she gets embraced, you know, by these markets that are all happy to see her back. Well, I mean, you said, you know, angle, if you will. I suppose I will. But what I won't is I won't say, will these media outlets have the quote unquote cognizance? I would and I'm not even without retribution. I'll say this. I feel like are they going to have the ability to quench their or quell their bloodthirst enough to not yeah. jump on this piece yeah. and tear it to shreds, bastardize the message, bastardize the narrative? Uh, yeah, 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 and yeah, then, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then, and then, like you say, because and I know you're not trying to do this intentionally, but you keep doing this hand motion as you go city to city, yeah. the same thing. Yeah, that's maddening. For yeah. me to even hear potentially happening. And so that's what I worry about the most because it's like, like I said, I mean, we were just talking about like she's going to, the narrative is pushing forward for her no matter what it is because it's a human, she's a human being. We all have to wake up and be human beings again tomorrow. And so it, it, I, I can't imagine the type of, you know, how frustrating it could potentially be or it must be already where it's like I'm just un levying this scrutiny is on my life and about this thing that's a terrible in my past. You know, the, I, don't, I don't. I don't know where she, where her head's at. The, the good thing you know, is that it seems. Her head's at all. Uh, and and granted, you know, I've talked about this before. You know, in the past, it seems that she is there. She's grateful um, that she can be doing this, even if she does have to do this city to city, market to market, in comparison to the situation that she was actually in. Like, that's what I'm getting from the quotes that she is releasing, the press conferences that she has done, the things that she is saying. I, you know, one part of the story that I will say that I noticed, um, you know, it seemed like early on in that game, the energy kind of favored the Mercury, who are, who was already playing on the road and was able to feed off their teammate being celebrated in that way. And early on, they were in the lead in that game. Mm. Once the game settled in, the Sparks were able to take it to them and, and show out in front of their home fans. But one thing that I noticed and that I got to see and pay attention to just being able to sit right courtside yeah. was her smile never really wavered. Mm. And that, to me, said more than – Anything that she could say in a presser because she's media trained. She's been doing this for a, long, for a long time. She knows what to say, how to say it, the right things to say. But one thing that gave me a little bit of comfort personally is that in the midst of competition where you can get lost in that, she didn't seem to get lost in that. I'm not saying she didn't play hard, didn't give effort. In that game, she had 18 points. The next game, she went off, both in losses, but 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 went off. You know what I'm saying? Like, she looks like she'll be back in the All-Star game again this year. Definitely. And not because people feel some type of way about her because of what she went through. She's producing to that magnitude. Right. But But the smiles that I got to see in the first quarter – that I also got to see as they were getting blown out in the third and fourth quarters definitely put me at ease a little bit in regards to this does feel like she's genuinely happy to be able to be here because the reality of it is she could still be sitting in a Russian prison for eight more years because she was sentenced to 10. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, well, I mean, So she definitely look. could be still sitting down in a Russian prison right now. So she definitely seemed grateful um, to be in the position that she was in in comparison to the position that she was once in just months ago. Yeah, I mean, and hey, you know, you talk about the standing for the anthem thing. I, I didn't hear too much discourse on that. I tried to stay away from it, but 
but I just know that if I was told to sit down and potentially for 10 years, if I got back home, I'm back. Like, I'm standing on my own too, wherever Hell I'm yeah. at Hell as yeah. well. Hell Ain't nobody yeah. telling me to sit down. Absolutely. Again. And, and, and you know, I wanted to mention something. And too, our country but, got her back home. Of course. I mean, yeah, no, I think, look, here, here's what I said. It's her country. Brittany Griner's country is not the same country that you have in your head. If you talk about historically what we're talking about here, you know what I'm saying? We're on paper, the United States military and our commander in chief, Joe Biden went in and led a crusade to get one of our own. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. And and, and just like that is just like that is something to be considerate of. I think also, and, and I fall victim to this more, I think more than anybody, but like, to watch her perform on the court as someone who's been a, at the highest level professional basketball player for m- m- at least half of her life and to play well, that is also not necessarily an indication that everything is cool for her. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that like, and that like, uh, the word identity has been, re- has been like hitting for me today. Like yeah. I've been hearing it a lot, you know? Uh-huh. And like, you know, I I, I want to make this about as much about uh, Brittany as, as about basketball, but it's like the basketball stuff is going to be, I'm curious to watch that team. And I'm curious to watch the trajectory of that team because what I see from a basketball standpoint is a, a Phoenix Mercury team as a whole that doesn't really have an identity. That's sort of disjoined as what they have together. Yeah. And then there's Brittany Griner who it's like, she has a solid identity of herself that you said I w- you said you witnessed didn't waver at all even through these emotional ups and downs of this I mean historic moment yeah in time. monumental monumental historic Absolutely. moment in history for and, sure and she was able to unwaver from that and so I was like I'm not worried about her I just I, I worry about people around it you know because people people attach their identity to other people like vicariously through other people and I think when things are like really sentimental and like they mean a lot to the collective consciousness. And I mean, 260 plus days, that's a long time for this, for this collective shared sort of like hurt to be had. Yeah. And you can get attached to those kinds of identities. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, of, of, of feeling some type of way or going through some type of thing. And, and, and I, I just know that that's a really difficult thing to navigate, you know, and I, I don't see Brittany Griner having an issue with that at all. I just think the people around her media, Teams, fans, us. Yeah. Like it's just important to kind of, you know what I'm saying, put that into perspective. That's all I've been thinking about it, about the situation since that game. Basically. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. No, but again, just happy to see her back. Like I said, it, it was a pleasure for me to to be there and attend that moment. That moment, And that was my first WNBA game ever to attend that I've attended. I've never – Some guys get all the luck. Yeah, <laughs> man. I mean, yeah, it's like Dude, it's you've pretty gone, dope. You've gone it's to some dope. of the most historic basketball games of the year so far. You've been with your feet on the hardwood for a lot of – Yeah, like, for some like dope stuff this ones. year, so for like, sure. Right, that's tight. No, no, I agree with that. <laughs> and no, man, like I said, it was just dope to be there. I mean, and granted, you know, I – I've I've followed the WNBA for quite some time, you know, to to an extent. I'm not like a, a, like a historian. Yeah, of the yeah, game. I'm not that. But um, I've also never lived in a market that had the WNBA. I had to travel to LA to go see this game. Wait, you know what wait, I mean? Wait, say I, that again. Say that again. I've never lived in a market 
that has a WNBA team. That's shame. At least Portland had one, but it was before I was yeah. here. Mm-hmm. But you know, in the Bay Area, girl, where I grew up, we I didn't just have a WNBA team. I just to hear how if it was wrong the second time. And no, it's totally man, wrong. no, it, the, the, it needs to expand. Yeah, it needs to expand. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like this market obviously is fighting for it. We're pushing for it again. Senator Wyden's pushing for it. So, um, and, and and then you know, this time of year, you know, last year. I, when I interviewed Senator Wyden about, you know, sponsoring that um, that Senate resolution. And then at the same time, we we brought up and talked about WNBA expansion. And, you know, he talked about, you know, being at the sports bra and just, you know, what this market and women's sports in this market has meant. Um, it was it was during the playoffs where that conversation happens more so. Um, the conversation is happening more so again right now because the season just began, but we're just coming out of a training camp where a lot of talented players who are definitely WNBA players and are talented enough to play in that league and compete at the highest level in that in that league got cut just mm-hmm. because there's not enough roster spots there. Right. 144 roster spots, 12 players, 12 teams. Definitely. Like, you've got – really really elite women's basketball players who just are not there solely because there's just not enough roster slots available so you know this is another point of the year where we have this conversation again because the heartbreak of seeing such elite players have to not be able to play in our premier league here in the United States of America mm-hmm. and then have to obviously from there try to figure out what to do next, potentially go overseas and put themselves most at risk likely, of going through something most similar, likely most goes. likely go overseas and put themselves at risk mm-hmm. of going through a situation like we just saw Brittany Griner have to go through yeah. rather than being able to play here in, in their own country, in front of their own country where they've grown the game exponentially, whether it was through high school, college basketball, and then ultimately getting to the WNBA on a training camp roster and then ultimately being cut, not because they weren't good enough, but just because (laughs) there's literally not enough roster spots available for them to be able to play in this league. Yeah, and it's just a curious, (laughs) curious distinction indeed because, yeah, they have to go overseas and you're going like, how are you going to have – like how how do you have NCAA women's national championship game numbers that go so bananas crazy and then you can't get interest for people to go and watch for like a couple of bucks a a a, a professional women's team in their city like it really is just a matter of generating interest behind it on like a on the grassroots level to convince you know uh, executives and people with money to get down like that but you know, either way, man, it's like, it, why? Just keep watching. All you have to do is watch the product on the floor, and it's pretty easy to see that you don't have to have controversy, like surrounding like race or religious freedom or or workers' rights. You don't have to have all of this calamity to be able to gain interest into a sport that is 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 producing the product of basketball at the highest possible level yeah. night in and night out. For sure. It's For crazy. Sure. For sure. Like, did Absolutely. you see Zaya Cook uh, the other night? Oh, yeah. She uh, went yeah. bananas, <laughs> yeah. dude. Yeah. So it's just like every night you got – yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I'm off my soapbox. You know what time it is, wake up and win, people. Yeah, yeah. No, no, we're here for it. We're here for it. Again, glad to have her back. 
Um, let's switch it up here. Carmelo Anthony has announced his retirement. Congratulations. <laughs> 19 seasons. 19 seasons. That's a lot of them. Obviously, we had the fortune of seeing him play right here for, for the Portland Trailblazers in this market. And, I mean, Carmelo, I guess to me in particular, Carmelo, to, it, it, it was unfortunate because he was such a good scorer. And he was just, it seemed to me that, like, he didn't get appreciated enough just because he was always, like, on the heels of LeBron James. Um, I, I mean, he could have won also, too. He could have won. <laughs> he could have won to help that out. And well, he, I mean, he was on stuff to do. He was in with some a guy bad with ownership groups in his time. He was with some bad ownership groups. Um, you know, I think uh, also whoever didn't draft him because he could have won early on in his career with Detroit. Remember, he didn't go number oh, two. Right. He went number three, I think, right. or three or four. Um, and I think it was Darko Milicic or it somebody was Darko. that Darko was drafted ahead of him with Darko. the Detroit Pistons when they won that title in 2004. Obviously, imagine if he would have been on that team as a young rook. And Come even a couple like of years bench. after that, when they were still going they to conference finals with Billups and Rip Hamilton and, you know, that team, Ben Wallace, Tayshawn Prince, they could have went back to back with him. And Straight so, um, you know, like just some of the luck ultimately, I think, just wasn't in his favor. And again, starting from not being drafted by the Detroit Pistons because they decided to draft Darko Milicic. And then from there, again, we saw we obviously know what LeBron James has meant to this game. LeBron James <laughs> has been a winner. Like going to 10 consecutive NBA finals is absurd. Like, like you just it's a once-in-a-lifetime type of a thing. And so, you know, Carmelo to me didn't get the flowers that I think he deserved. And then Carmelo was also one of the first people that once CBA start changing and there was more money to be made within the NBA, I think he decided to kind of do the Dame approach. Yeah, I'm well, going to go to the New York Knicks. I'm going to go make, at the time, $120 million was a big deal for him to be making over a four or five year time span. I think it might've been five years, but maybe four years with an option on the fifth. But like that was a massive contract at that time where he could have did what somebody like a LeBron did and chose to go team up with D Wade and Chris Bosh because he wanted to win championships and have a shot at winning championships year in and year out. And so Carmelo to me was sort of a, um, he was just his own man within this sport. And, and I think Partially why him and Damian Lillard got so close during his stint here in Portland was because I see a lot of the same in those two dudes. Two dudes that are about the growth of themselves because they understand that they're in a business that will cut them off in the blink of an eye. And Carmelo went through that late in his career when he couldn't find a roster spot and he before the Blazers decided to finally pick him up and he was trying to land on the team and after the OKC days and he was going on first take with Stephen A trying to plead that he could still play in the NBA you know what I'm saying and so he also went through that in his own right then he went through that in his own right early on in his career with the Denver Nuggets where he was a star there but because he kind of put himself first in a way, not as a competitor, but just as an individual and as an entity within a business, um, he kind of got the short end of the stick a lot in his career. 
But his greatness as a scorer is like top five all time, in my opinion, when it just comes to pure ability pure. to score on all That's three levels. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I, I I love what he meant to the game because even though his legacy gets talked about differently from those who he may have been as talented as, but they were able to win championships. Um, I think the understanding for young athletes coming into the game and being able to model themselves after what it was he was able to do when it comes to taking care of themselves, doing what they wanted and controlling the career in the way that they saw fit. He just was one of the first to come through the door in that way. So he received a lot of the backlash for it. But now you're seeing these young players that are understanding generational wealth and what it means to be able to leverage the game of basketball to take care of themselves and take care of their families in ways that's now just a bit more normalized, where for him it wasn't as normalized and he received a lot of backlash for it. Definitely. I mean, he had to be a ma- – I mean, he, he's one of the pioneers of when you go like younger younger generations of NBA guys are going to look and be like, okay, this is a rubric that we can build our career off of that doesn't – equate to you're going to be one of the greatest of all time. Like when it comes to LeBron and the Carmelo thing, it's like, you know what happens when a really big tree grows in the forest? Usually all the ones around it, if they're shorter, they die. Yeah. And it's like, if you're, if you are still a huge tree next to LeBron James, yeah, that's a hell of a tree. That's a hell of a tree to survive that. <laughs> and, he, and he, he withstood that. that. He is. He has that. his own brand. He has his own impact on the game. Yeah. You know? And it's, and, and, and he's he's his own basketball mogul. Yeah. While the greatest absolutely. basketball mogul of all time was drafted in his same class. Yep. So yep. there you go. For sure, for sure. And like I said, man, just his blueprint, I think, was so significant to the growth of the game in a way that, again, you know, when when you have that conversation about like ring culture and Melo being one of the superstars to never win a ring, but he was able to show a blueprint for really the majority of NBA athletes because the majority of NBA athletes do not win a ring, but to be able to have massive success aside from that, like he, he, his blueprint, I think was one like no other, even coming into the media space. You know what I mean? You know, he's got his what's in your glass show and he just kind of did things his own way, putting his people on back in the day. And, you know, you hear the conversations, especially since, you know, some of the troubles that we've seen John Morant get in. He was one of those earlier examples um, that that people wanted young athletes like a John Morant to learn from. And, you know, he talked about David Stern and David Stern telling him about how the FBI is always watching him and his every move and what his people around oh, yeah. him are doing. I remember and all that. of those. Like Carmelo was that dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like Carmelo was that dude early on in his, his career. And I don't think it was all because – he was a bad guy, but he almost took on like a villain role within the league because you had in his same class LeBron James, the king, the superhero, the guy who never gets into any trouble, the guy who is like the example, the prime example of what you want an NBA athlete to be. Carmelo was was a little bit different, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and he was villainized, I think, unfairly to an extent, but... He was willing to take on being that villain to do things his own way and create a blueprint well, for a lot of young players that came after him. Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, some of that is when he, he was goes, almost a contrarian in his own way. To New York and he gets all of that money and yeah. they have that nice little semifinal run, a conference semifinal run. And 
And then people kind of start criticizing his game. I think that at that time you're going, well, he has, there's a potential that he's going to fall into obscurity in a way. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't have the you don't have the foresight at that time to be like, well, he's also going to play an additional ten years or whatever, right? And he's going to become an icon of the sport, absolutely. And a lot of guys, you know, what I'm saying they they don't have that, so it is going to be a little difficult for people to go and try to follow the Carmelo route because it's like there's really only one Carmelo Anthony. Well, yeah, I mean, and it's so, going to be difficult to follow the route, but I think he opened doors for young athletes no, that sure. they'll never have to go through what it was that he had to endure. Well, and again, to talk he to David Cerny, and, so. and again, he had That's to endure piece. that. In New York City, where for New York, it was all about winning a championship. For Carmelo, it's, yeah, I'm going to go out there and compete my ass off to try and win a championship, but that may not be my first priority. My first priority is to go get this bag, and feed my soak family. up all of this money, feed my family, and whatever y'all got to say about that, y'all got to say about that. He could have went and took less money in New York, and they could have been able to recruit more guys to come play in New York because it's New York, for crying out loud. But he's like, no, I'm going to come to New York. I'm going to eat up the budget over here. I'm going to get my check. <laughs> I'm going to get my check. <laughs> I don't he's care about your cap. I'm only, on the table. I don't care about your cap. I only care about my value. Yeah. And yep, because yep. of that, he received a lot of criticism where, again, now you got guys like Dame who, yeah, people talk about him on these daily shows about wanting to see him compete for a championship. But, again, with with the cap grow, have, having grown in the league and more guys are just – Hey man, I'm gonna go secure this bag first, and then try to go win the championship later on. Melo was one of the first people to do that in a real uh, way. Like a, yeah, like a Carmelo or a Dame. It's like if you're gonna ask the question, are these guys you know trying to compete for championships? It's like I, I've been watching Dame for 12 years. I've been watching Carmelo for 19 plus Syracuse. Like yeah. every single second that those guys are playing basketball yeah. they, they didn't play to lose they're not trying they're to not lose they're not playing to lose it's like are you competing for a championship fan or front office or or other guy who's looking around going hmm maybe if i join a team and i want to win it's like go go look at if you want to win get yourself around some winners but but and i those think those guys the, are winners i think the thing with them was though was that being able to being able to be valued and being able to have their value, what they felt their value was met, mm. was every bit as important, if not more important, than winning. And, and nice that's where that some leverage. of it's nice it's to have, nice that, to have that leverage. A for lot sure. of people are not offered that kind of you for know, sure. luxury and in life. They were the ones but they were, and they took it. And they and, took it. And you can't be mad at <laughs> them can't, for no. that. You Absolutely can't be mad not. at them for that because we would all do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Just because you're salty about shit, I'm a little salty too. I'm not gonna lie to yeah, you. Yeah. You don't think I want five hundred million dollars? Of course I do. Yeah, I, I mean beyond beyond that, but beyond that, even as a fan, I mean you obviously want to see Portland win a championship. In your lifetime, but of course, you know, but Dame you know, man, is Dame is max extension, super ex max extension. He's eating all of that budget up where he could maybe he could have maybe taken a little less, and you could have had more money to play with to try to get more guys to come help him accomplish that. But if I'm Dame, I get it because at the end of the day, 
don't leave nothing on the table because these owners are going to capitalize off yeah. it anyway. Yeah, they they already have most of it. They already have most of it any regardless of how much you take or don't. So it's yeah, like exactly. with that you said, take, it, take all that you're worth individually. It's like, not like it's not like they're going to go around and be like, oh, our superstar declined. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to go up on top of the Moda Center and throw all my ones down and, onto the. Yeah, people. it's like, not going to happen. On, you know what I'm saying? So Stop. again, I respect those dudes, and I think Melo was one of the earlier ones as the cap began to grow in the league to really kind of lay the foundation for that blueprint. And and again, although that went against ring culture and that went against what the NBA has stood for, because at the end of the day, the NBA is a dynastic league. It has been yeah. since Bill Russell. You know what I mean? You got the Bill Russell days. You can go into the Magic and Bird days. You can go into what Jordan did in the 90s. You can go into what Shaq and Kobe was doing and the Spurs was doing in the 2000s to 2010s. You can go what LeBron was doing and, and the Warriors have done from 2010 to 2020. Like The NBA has been a dynastic league. So when you have these guys Guys that take these sort of alternative approaches to winning, if you will, and making sure that they take care of themselves and that them taking care of themselves is every bit as important as them winning. They they got some flack and some foot pushback for that, Mello especially. So congratulations to him on retiring a, a phenomenal career. Um, what he's meant to the game is beyond anything that we can say here on this podcast. And I'm glad to have, you know, been able to witness his journey as a fan of the sport, um, as somebody that lived here in this market and got to see what he was able to even do later in his career as a Portland trailblazer. Um, you know, everything he did, I, I, I love and I appreciate him for it in this league. But sticking to retirement here, no, we're not going to do that. We'll come back to retirement. The Denver Nuggets swept the Los Angeles Lakers 4-0. It and they're happened. going to the finals. And it didn't even look like it was very hard for them. It didn't. It looked pretty easy. They actually. were better. They were undeniably at every better. stage of the game. <laughs> undeniably at every better. Stage of the game. <laughs> they were I remember after a game. Now they have people contemplating on retirement. Let's follow that conversation up with yeah. Denver beat well. that ass so bad. Yeah, the games were competitive, <laughs> if you will. But Denver convincingly beat the Lakers so bad that now LeBron James is contemplating retirement. You know what I'm saying? Let's, let's <laughs> let that be the narrative rather than leading with LeBron James is saying that he might retire and he's got a lot to think about over the offseason. No, no, no. Let's start with the Denver Nuggets swept the Los Angeles Lakers, and now it has, because of that and other things, of course, but that playing a part in it, because I guarantee you, had LeBron won a title this year, I don't think he would be having the same thoughts as he had he'd be like, after being he'd be swept. be like that stupid Lays commercial, 20 seasons and counting. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, you come out with a commercial <laughs> like that during the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? You get bounced, you talk about, I might not come back. Right, yeah. Stop, <laughs> and it's like, bro, you're Let's not, lead with that like, first. Like we can get into LeBron. the LeBron retirement stuff, but let's preface it with the fact that he you got know, swept. Man, and you know, man, I think that the rumors may be true. This guy may not know that he is actually 38 years old and he's been in the league for 20 years because it's like, bro, this ain't new hat. We've seen you do this type of stuff before. We know all your tricks, dude. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, we yeah, know yeah, all yeah, your yeah, tricks, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're not fooling anybody. Just tape your 
your ankle up and we'll see you next seat. Report for training camp. We'll see you next year. You know, better luck next time. But the fact hey, is, I, is that I, I, I disagree with that he's to an play extent. With his son. That's what he's been talking about the whole time. Hey, yes, for sure. But your body can tell you otherwise. Well, and, 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 fair and, point. And, and as you mentioned, how do you want to go out, LeBron? Because, and and I'm I'm regurgitating this here. This isn't even an original take, but I was listening to uh, the Bomani Jones podcast, uh, the right time. Mm. And he had Howard Bryant on and he said, and I, and again, I'm paraphrasing here. He said, there's three ways that you can go out. He said, you can go out on top. You can go out. I'm trying to remember all three ways. You can go out on top. You can go out. Obviously, rock. You can hit rock bottom, and be hurt and be injured, and and you know what I mean, or or just not be nearly as good as you once were. And I forget the third way, but anyway, anywho, one of those ways was just his body, and he has had a foot injury. There's a chance he's going to have to have off season surgery on his foot. Yeah, he's 38 years old. It's old. Yes, we've For seen basketball. him have moments of being the LeBron that we once knew. But it hasn't been consistent. You know what I'm saying? Even in that Warriors series, like, he had a hell of a game six. But without Anthony Davis stepping up and actually being the best player on that team for majority of that series, without Lonnie Walker having uh, uh, the fourth quarter of his life in that series, LeBron was able to close things out because other guys stepped up earlier on in that series that was able to give him a 3-1 cushion to be able to say, all right, game six at home. Let me put my all into this. And then what happened after he put his all into it? He, he went to dissolved. Denver and just dissolved. I mean, and, really. and again, he played great at home in the last game, you know, and but he in the first half, like, no, he played great in the first sure. he played great in the first half. Yeah. I mean, finished with a 40 point near triple double. Absolutely. Gonna... But but majority of that was in the first half. He absolutely deteriorated yeah, as the yeah, game progressed. You know what it, I'm bro. saying? He, he just have didn't it. have it. But you know, if you want to talk about injury, Anthony Day. I don't even want to sit here and talk about the leg. I just know that this guy's going to play basketball next year. I can feel it in my soul. I agree. I think he will too. But I, but I, old, but I don't think it's BS that he has some shit to think about and consider this offseason in regards yeah. to if he does. Yeah, who he's going to trade or, or where he's no, going to trade. No, I think when it comes himself. to retirement, and, and, and again, like – just knowing your your body can know, tell man. you things, I man. It, I, I guess, but I just I come on, man. The guy is in the most peak physical condition of any athlete is his age, probably in the history of mankind. Like, come on, that I, I can't, I can't that that part. I just don't. I can't. I so, can't but but at, but but again, I think it's it's more just being in peak physical shape. It's also a mental drain. Like playing basketball is mentally taxing. I could tell you that from when I played. You know what I'm saying? Like he's done a lot for a long time. Yeah. And he's and he's tacked on a lot during the process of doing that. Just starting from parenting alone. You know what I'm saying? Let's not get into all the other endeavors that he has with Nike and Space Jam and his media uninterrupted. You name it. You know what I'm saying? Like he's done everything because he's had the power and the leverage to be able to do so, but that's got to be taxing. And at what point do you say, what more do I have to gain from this? Just because I can do it, do I have any more to gain I mean, from this? Or do I want to do it? To have and your... do I want to put myself in the position to do it for everybody else when 
I could be doing more and I could be more present for I my family. I could that. be more present for my other endeavors that I love and enjoy. Yeah, and I've yeah. gave and I have nothing really left to prove to the game of basketball. I've scored more points than anybody that has ever scored. I've won enough championships to put me in the conversation of the greats, of the greatest of the greats. Like, what more does he owe the game? I, I, I don't think I, it's much. I don't think it's a matter of what he thinks he owes the game. I mean, I just I could come simply down to like, you know, I'm I'm a 38 year old man. I'm gonna have a jo- like. I have to. Everyone has a job. Like you're, you have an opportunity to have your job to be play a game that was invented for children for millions of dollars. Like if I have an opportunity to do that into my 40s, I'm gonna do it. Like even if I'm riding the bench. I, you know, if I was LeBron, nah, hell say, no. If I'm LeBron James, there's absolutely no point for LeBron James to ride the bench. Obviously, I'm, <laughs> just, I'm, just, I'm speaking. I'm speaking hypothetically for the fact that you're asking what is there to gain. It's like it's playing basketball, not for him. We're talking about we're talking about LeBron James, not Udonis Haslam. You know what I'm saying? Like Udonis Haslam has nothing Duck, to look Udonis, forward to. Duck, Udonis, you know what I'm saying? Udonis Haslam great, has nothing to look forward to beyond. I mean, maybe coaching. He'll probably yeah, get into yeah, coaching. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm not saying, but what I'm saying is like the opportunities for LeBron James beyond I, basketball are limitless. What? The opportunities for most others beyond basketball are not, not limitless. Yeah. So, so for him, he's for different that. in that regard. Point. You know but what I mean? Tell you what, if he is going to get involved in basketball after he plays i got a bad i got a i got a bad magic johnson sized feeling about his coaching potentially because i just don't see him being able to he is routinely fickle with his teammates if he's their boss i think he goes bad after like 20 games but you know we'll know who knows look i, I don't yeah. want to see him retire because he you know him and steph are still battling like come on we saw a semifinals battle between those guys i don't know man. i just want to see it maybe it's selfish but i just want to see him keep playing because yeah, it's just the best, man. He's LeBron. He's LeBron and Steph. LeBron. I don't want to let go of that right now because, you know, the the new batch of superstars, who knows? They might shoot me on live or something. I have no idea, dude. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, damn. <laughs> well, damn. Well, damn. We'll talk more about that, too, in a minute. Um, but, yeah, shout out to Carmelo for retiring. Shout out to LeBron for thinking about retiring. Um, and that's that on that. Um, do want to do a little, a little bit of an in-memoriam uh, segment here. Um, the legendary Jim Brown, uh, Jim Brown, who probably not even, I wouldn't even say the greatest running back of all time. You probably could say the greatest football player of all time. Yes. And I mean, if there's one other player that I would argue above him, it would probably be Jerry Rice. Mm. But other than that, like Jim Brown was the elite of elites. Um, but also Jim Brown was an activist. Jim Brown was an actor. Jim Brown had other endeavors beyond the sport of football um, to where he had a, a, an iconic cultural impact. And and again, obviously, with this podcast and what we do here, you know, you we do all the same things. It's just in a different format, obviously, for more of like a media lens. But we perform. You know what I mean? Whether I'm DJing or Spencer's out performing music or MCing or whatever the case may be, as we both can or do we're that. Broadcasting, we're broadcasting, we're doing podcast, alive, doing like, this podcast. We do I do activist work at Street Roots. So like when people like Jim Brown pass away, and I so happen to be in Los Angeles, which is where he passed away, when he passed away. And so I, I was able to reflect a bit in a different way than maybe I would have had I been right here mm. in Portland, Oregon, um, just knowing that, like, I can feel Jim Brown's legacy 
and what it is that I do and even what it was that I was there for covering the Britney Griner story after having done all of the work and been a part of, you know, pushing for her released in the ways that I could with the platform that I have, you know what I'm saying? And, and then at the same time, knowing, you know, what I do as, as an entertainer, if you will. And, and so for me, I was able to reflect on it in a different way, being in sort of the hub of entertainment, Los Angeles, Hollywood, LA live, you name it. Um, and, and, and him passing away, in the city of Los Angeles where he lived, um, I was just able to reflect in my own way about just basically the opportunities he created through sports that expanded beyond sports that I've kind of followed a very similar pathway in my own work and my own life. And so um, a huge rest in peace to him, you know, in, in that regard, condolences to his family. And you got anything you want to say on the Jim Brown front? Yeah, I mean, he he's one of those guys that he was like one of the first athletes that I feel like, you know, especially with the stuff that he was involved with politically and socially, like he was able to have who he was as a an athletic performer and, and, and as an athlete. It was the same, like the same principles applied and he lived by those same principles in his personal life and his public life outside of the game. And he did it at a time that was incredibly tumultuous for black people and for, you know, people like him, black athletes to be able to speak out. Like he did all of that and he's Jim freaking Brown. So it was like, you know, good enough, good for him to know, be like, what are you going to, what are you going to say to me? Like, I'm yeah, going to say what I want to say, him. dude. I'm, I'm Jim, him, not My name's Jim Brown. And so, and so it's just, you know, it's, they don't make guys, they don't make people like that anymore. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Like sure. they don't even make guys like Jim Brown anymore. And so it's just a tough loss. Cause I'm sure that he, you know, if he, he would have had a mic in his face, when the Brittany Griner was out there, he probably would have had some slick shit to say. So yeah, he, he, he was slick with the tongue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Slick with that shit, like spit on a go-to. <laughs> but um, also rest in peace to Tina Turner. <laughs> Tina, man, Tina Turner, the icon, the legend. absolute icon, the icon, absolute the legend. legend. Yes, I, I mean there was divas, like there was R and B, like you know, I'm saying stars or whatever, but For like, sure. not like Tina. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. She, yeah. She was one of one. She she flipped it all on its head. Like with no, without Tina, there's nobody, anyone that you like that does R and B or does rock and roll or pop yeah. that, that does it at that le- anywhere close to that level. It, it's, it's no Tina. It's no Beyonce. It's yeah. no MJ. It's nobody. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah, for sure. She had the audacity to go out there and be like, I'm going to, I'm the best thing ever. You know what I'm saying? And even at her time, like contemporarily, she was not even like, I mean, I don't even think she's like the best singer, you know what I'm saying? By any stretch or, or anything like that. But it's like, yeah, j- just her spirit. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. we, I, I don't, you know, there's no reason to go into the Ike and Tina stuff, but it's like just the life that she lived and the spirit that she carried the whole time and made classic iconic music, her performances, her, her impact on style and yes. fashion. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And, Absolutely. And, and, and the beauty uh, uh, industry standards of the world, like. Man, she she everything she touched it just was altered because of her presence, and that's again they don't make people like that anymore either. Unfortunately, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, you you said it best there. Um, I want to play this verse real quick before we close it out. Obviously, on the John Moran stuff from none other than Simba. Yeah. 
every game and every stadium you come to and you made it out of environments that most of us get stuck to. A lot of college coaches wish they never would have snubbed you because you bought on all the niggas that recruiters raked above you. Drafted number two, all them niggas ended up under you and now you at the top, so it's certain shit that can't come with you. But I get it, this life we live in is different. We flex in front of the cameras to show the ghetto we did it. Some of us like the flexes to show the rest they can get it, but you glorify a life that you really ain't out here living. I mean, my nigga, you up 200 million and you got to risk it all to show niggas you bought a pistol. It's one thing if you do it once, we'll dismiss it. But you done done it twice in two months, nigga, you tripping. I blame the culture, we put you in this position. The music we make influences you young niggas' decisions. Some even rappers say they ain't role models, they bitching. And running from responsibilities that we was given. Feel like it's all on your shoulders. Only 23, but the world wants you to be older. A bunch of bad bitches and liquor at your disposal. And the people you do business with think they're supposed to control you. Wait, no. (laughs) (laughs) It needed to be said. It needed to be said. And obviously, for one, I mean... Simba's a friend of the show. Simba's my family. Shout out to Simba. Yeah, my literal <laughs> my literal family. And that verse is like going absolutely that's, viral. It's been all crazy. over the place. Um, what can I say here? Because f- fuck it. I'm on my podcast. Simba and I talk every day. And obviously with this whole John Morant situation and Many of you listeners, I've got a lot of feedback from the listeners for, for the stance that I took on last week's episode. A lot of good feedback. Appreciate you all for tuning in to the episode. But it was just a conversation that Simba and I was having for like two hours that ultimately led to what it was that you just heard. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not taking credit for the whole record because there's a song that I do have in my phone that I, I just unfortunately can't let you all hear. Um, that is absolutely phenomenal. And that verse that you heard was just a piece of the entire track that is, when I tell you it's phenomenal, watch when the actual record drops on on his next project, his upcoming project. It's crazy. The concept of it is crazy. Like, he killed it. But as far as the John Morant piece in particular, Simba and I talk every day. Um, We've got some things in the works, actually, as well. And these are the conversations that we tend to have a lot of. So, I was able to be a part of the process of of putting that verse together in particular, um, which is cool. You know what I'm saying? Like it's one of the cool behind the scenes things that I'm yeah, able get to that do, and that I'm I know right <laughs> that I'm able to do, <laughs> and I'm able to be a part of. And the thing for me, and and I probably think it's short sighted in this regard, is like to me it was more about the message than getting any credit. You know what I'm saying? Of course. Um, because you were right. It but, needed you know, to be said. It needed to be said. You know what I'm saying? And so it was a great verse by Simba. And and be looking out for I, – I, I spoke to him. He shot the video a couple days ago, at least for that verse. And then be looking out for his project because the actual song in, in totality is amazing. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Um, I've listened to it over and over again. Um, but but I appreciate him for for putting that verse out there for John Morant. I called the title of last week's episode "Lead with Love." If you notice, what does he start off saying? For my nigga out in Memphis, moving senseless, I love you. Like a lot of those conversations kind of fed off of each other um, from the conversations that he and I have been having about this whole John Morant situation. He's just a damn good rapper and can put it in a a clever way that only I could put in sort of podcast form. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, but, but yeah, man, salute to Simba. Shout out to him. Um, That was an incredible verse. And and I'm telling y'all, 
that record is going to be an important one, a significant one for everybody to tune into and listen to. But I just wanted to close it out with that because I got a lot of feedback from you all last week on last week's episode. And again, that clip right there has been going viral all over social media. And I'm still leading with love here and wishing John Morant the best. I know, you know, the most recent reports is, you know, he went on social media and said goodbye on social media and the police had to do a welfare check on him. Um, the welfare check was done. He said he was okay. He just was letting social media know that, He's going away for a while, rightfully so. I think that's the right move, the right move to make. Um, and you know, I, I hope he gets better. Since that dropped, huh? Yeah, <laughs> man. I, I hope I hope he gets better. You know what I mean? And I and mean it's... he's gonna have to deal with whatever comes with it, but I, I'm still wishing nothing but the best for him. And I still want to see selfishly and shit, it is what it is. I still want to see him play basketball again one day. Yeah. And I still want him to be able to take care of his family and his people via the game of basketball the way that he's been able to to this point. I don't want to see him lose it all. So I'm wishing him the best in his recovery and his return. And and one day, you know, I think he'll he'll be able to grace us with his talents once he he's able to get over the hurdle of whatever it is that he's going through that's led to him making some of these not-so-good decisions. Yeah, I mean, he's 23 years old, and I think also we also just have to have a little bit more grace for each other. Everybody makes mistakes every day. Like, I don't like that we put <laughs> we saw the scrutiny against this, like, yeah, he's got $200 million. He's 23-year-old playboy superstar of the NBA, and now we're going to try to get him to act like he's a, a fully fortified grown man that's gone through life and not going to make a mistake. It's like, just stop, man. Stop projecting, dude. Yeah. Just stop projecting, sure. bro. But you know, still you got to Hey, you got to get right before you can get left. That's if right. You're or him. you'll get left. Or you get right or you'll get left. <laughs> That's it. I you mean, know, <laughs> whatever it is, just, just, just get away from the camera with the piezo, bro. And put it away and just don't have it. So, well, it was glad to have you back here, Spencer. I'll um, be back, man. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm a little, have I, you listen, back. I got to knock the rust off. I don't talk to people much. Anymore. I mean, I still talk to you every day. <laughs> for sure, for sure. But I don't, I, you know, we don't, I don't do too much talking much these days. But if you see me in the street, I'm approachable. Come say what's up. Follow me up, play for part. Hey, I got to take an L's real quick. Go for it. All right. If you're talking about Mount Rushmore or top 10 basketball players, I've been seeing you people online talk about this all week long, ever since LeBron got swept in the whole playoffs. And I know that a lot of you have never even sniffed a mention of Tim Duncan. If you haven't done that, you've taken a big time L. Yeah, if, especially That's top crazy. 10. It's crazy. Especially and I see 10. it all over, and it's just like especially enough 10. is enough. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say about it. All right. Well, on that note, we'll leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and, and go, go win. win. <laughs>